Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. It is the final day of 2016, the year of our Lord. And let me ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen. What is wrong with the world? What went wrong with the world? And is there any way to fix it? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't care who you ask this question of. I don't care if the person's an atheist, an agnostic, a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Muslim, some type of Christian, uh, somebody who has just says they have no religious beliefs at all. If you ask the question, what's wrong with the world? There is not a soul out there who's going to say nothing. Everything's just fine. Not a problem at all. Everybody understands that there's something wrong with the world, that things aren't the way they ought to be. There are problems. Paradise has been lost, and we desperately want paradise back. In fact, as we'll see as this program unfolds, just about everything we do is trying to regain paradise as if we lost it. As if there was a paradise at one point and suddenly, for some reason, it was ruined and we're trying to now regain it. And I think, by the way, this is evident by the movies we watch. In fact, I'm going to read a list of movies. These are the top, I'm not going to go through all 100, but I'm reading from a list it's the top 100 films of all time in the United States, domestic gross. Okay, so most of these are going to be more recent films because obviously uh, bigger population, you can charge more now, better marketing. So the movies that I'm going to read here, most of them are, are more recent than the classics. But these are the most popular movies over the past, say, three decades. And they happen to be the most popular movies uh, of all time in the United States in terms of domestic growth. So I'm going to read them top to bottom. I'm just going to go about 30 of them. And as I go through this list, I want you to think to yourself, what is the common theme running through all of these movies or most of these movies? Here they go. Number one of all time. What do you think it is? Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. That's from 2015. Number two, Avatar, 2009. Number three, Titanic, 1997. Number four, Jurassic World, 2015. Number five, Marvel's The Avengers from 2012. Number six, The Dark Knight, 2008. Number seven, Finding Dory, which is an animated movie for kids, 2016. This year, it's number seven all-time domestic gross. Number eight, Star Wars Episode One. The Phantom Menace, 1999. Number nine, Star Wars Episode Four, which is really the first one that came out, that called A New Hope, 1997. And apropos, we're talking about that today. Carrie Fisher died this week, uh, star of the movie, as you know, one of the 
of the stars. That's number nine. Number 10, Avengers, Age of Ultron. That's just from last year, 2015. Number 11, The Dark Knight Rises from 2012. Number 12, Shrek 2 from 2004. Number 13, E.T., 1982. That's the oldest movie uh, that is that high. Uh, number 14, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, 2013. Number 15, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, 2006. Number 16, The Lion King from 1994. Toy Story number 3 comes in at number 17 from 2010. Iron Man 3 is number 18 from 2013. Number 19, The Hunger Games, the original, 2012. Number 20, Captain America, Civil War. That's this year, 2016. Number 21 of the top grossing movies of all time in the United States, Spider-Man from 2002. Number 22, Jurassic Park, the original from 1993. Number 23, Transformers, Revenge of the Fall in 2009. Number 24, Frozen, 2013. Those of you who have small girls I probably have watched that several times. I don't have any in my family, so I've never seen the movie. But I know kids uh, love that movie, particularly uh, young ladies. Number 25, uh, Harry Potter and the Deadly Howls, Part 2, 2011. Number 26, Finding Nemo, tw- uh, 2003. Number 27, Star Wars, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sylph, that's from 2005. Number 28, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, 2003. Number 29, Spider-Man 2, 2004. And finally, at number 30, The Passion of the Christ, 2004. Now, ladies and gentlemen... Think about all those movies I just mentioned. What's the common thread running through most of them? Star Wars, Avatar, Titanic, Jurassic World, uh, The Avengers, The Dark Knight, Finding Dory, Star Wars, Avengers, The Dark Knight 2, or The Dark Knight Rises, Shrek 2, E.T., The Hunger Games, Pirates of the Caribbean, Lion King, uh, Toy Story 3, Iron Man 3, The Hunger Games, uh, Captain America, Spider-Man, Jurassic Park, Transformers, Frozen, Harry Potter, Finding Nemo, Star Wars again, The Lord of the Rings, Spider-Man 2, The Passion of the Christ. What's the common theme running through just about every single one of those movies? What is it? Most of them are fantasy movies. They're fantasy movies. They deal in fantasy they deal in supernormal and supernatural elements in those movies in fact if you go to the top 100 i just read the top 30 there are fewer than 10 movies in the top 100 all time that have no fantasy supernatural or supernormal elements in them and there are none in the top 30 Every single one here in the top 30, maybe with the exception of Titanic, has some sort of supernatural, supernormal, or fantasy element to them. What's that telling us? And by the way, if, if, if you adjust for inflation, if you adjust for inflation and you want to know the top movies of all time, uh, you you wind up with uh, the top movie of all time. You just adjusted for inflation now. Domestic is um, oh gee, just had it on top. Gone with the Wind. That's number one. It also sneaks into the top ten. Is the Ten Commandments at number six? But still, fantasy elements, 
throughout many of even those movies. Not, I'm not saying there's fantasy elements in 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 um, the Ten Commandments or Gone with the Wind necessarily, but the list. If you look at the list, there are many fantasy movies on that list as well. What's all this telling us? Why do we spend so much money and have so much interest in fantasy stories? Well, J.R. Tolkien, who, as you know, wrote Lord of the Rings, who was a Catholic, wrote an essay a number of years ago called On Fairy Stories. And here's what Tim Keller says about this essay from his new book. And I had Tim on a couple of weeks ago. You need to listen to that podcast if you haven't listened to it. Uh, the uh, Tim Keller podcast that we did on his new book, Making Sense of God. Here's what Keller says, uh, quoting Tolkien. He says, Tolkien says there are a number of primordial human desires that modernity, modernity has not been able to extinguish. Those things include the desire to survey the depths of space and time, and if possible, to escape death itself, the oldest and deepest desire. We desire also to hold communion with other non-human living things, to connect to the birds, beasts, and trees from which we feel now alienated, and perhaps to know other intelligences as well. And intelligence as well. We want to live long enough to realize our artistic and creator dreams. We want to love without parting, and we want and we desire to see the final triumph of good over evil. Ladies and gentlemen, that really fuels our desire for these fantasy movies, and it will fuel our desire and our ability to show people why Christianity is true. You're going to see this as this, the rest of this program unfolds. We're going to be able to use this as an apologetic, as evidence for the faith, or at least to get people to want to look at the faith of Christianity. I'm Frank Turk. You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turk on the last day of 2016, back in two. Frank Turk with you on the final day of 2016. Today we're talking about paradise, that paradise has been lost, and yet paradise will one day be regained if Christianity is true, and that resonates with our deepest desires. As we just went through the top 30 movies of all time, by domestic gross, just about every one of them has fantasy elements in it. They're all trying to regain paradise, and Tolkien, J.R. Our Tolkien realized this many years ago. And in the quote I just read uh, that uh, Keller was, he was actually quoting from Tolkien. Notice that Tolkien says that our oldest and deepest desire is to escape death. Well, what does Christianity tell us? That that's true. We will escape death because every one of us is going to live for eternity, either with God or separated from him. We will have eternal life. The question is, what will the quality of that life be? And that's up to you. Also, Tolkien talked about the fact that we want to commune with the creation around us, the world around us. By the way, do you ever, you ever go and you, you see a beautiful sunset or you see a beautiful mountain or a beautiful canyon or you see some piece of natural beauty and you go to take a picture of it and you go, you know, this picture is just not going to capture it. And it doesn't. I, I hardly take pictures of that stuff anymore because I, I just go, it, it, you just have to be there. You can't, well, I guess a great photographer, of course, photographers can capture some of it. 
much of it, but not all of it. You just can't capture it. You've got to be there. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm left feeling that I almost want to hug the mountain somehow. I want to hug the view. I want to... I want to consume it. I want to I want to commune with it. And this is I think what Tolkien is getting at. We have this desire to commune with this beauty. And we can't quite get it here on earth. Tolkien also talked about love without parting. We never want to see a loved one die. We want our love to last forever, and that's only possible if life is eternal. And he also mentioned the triumph of good over evil. We see that everywhere. In fact, we see that just even in our political discourse. We want what we perceive to be good to triumph over evil. We, if, if you're for any cause out there, if you think an injustice has been done somewhere, it doesn't matter what it is, you want to see the triumph of good over evil. All of us want that. That's a deep, deep desire. And so Tolkien is pointing out that our greatest desire, our greatest desires, eternal life, commune with beauty, love without parting, triumph of good over evil. These are the reasons that we consume more fantasy literature and are the reasons that we we pay all this money to see these movies, to live out these fantasies, because they represent our deepest desires. Now, you see where all this is going. If Christianity is true, then the myths that we so treasure, these fantasy stories and fantasy movies that we so treasure, are actually going to be true. That we're actually going to achieve eternal life and commune with beauty and have love without parting and see the triumph of good over evil if Christianity is indeed true. Keller goes on to say this, even though we know the tales are fiction, the ones we see in movies and read in magazines or read in, in, in fiction books, we have such a deep longing for these things that we get a unique satisfaction from immersing ourselves in the stories, particularly if they are well told. As a Christian, Tolkien believed that these stories resonate because they bear witness to an underlying reality. We have intuitions of the plot line of the Bible, namely that the world was made to be a paradise, but it has been lost. Exactly. This is Keller again from his book, Making Sense of God. In fact, we are desperately trying to regain paradise. We want to regain peace, justice, beauty, security, and make love last forever. We want a happy ending where we live happily ever after. That's what we all long for. Every one of us longs for that. C.S. Lewis said something to the, to the point about the argument from desire where he said that if I desire water— there probably is water somewhere in the universe if I have this desire for it. If I desire love, then there must be this thing out there known as love. If I desire food, there must be this thing out there known as food. Well, if I desire eternal life, is there a thing such as eternal life? If I have these desires here on earth and they can never be completely satisfied by things here on earth, then Lewis said, perhaps I should believe that I was made for another world, another world where these things, where these desires would be met. Keller again says this, 
The tales bring us joy because deep down we sense that they describe the world as it ought to be and that we were made. And, and it's, it's what we were made for, he says. Tolkien says realistic fiction will never quench the thirst for these things. Even if we repress this knowledge intellectually, we know it imaginatively and the tales stir our hearts. In the epilogue to this essay, says Keller, Tolkien makes a full disclosure of his belief that the gospel of Jesus Christ is, quote, a story of a larger kind which embraces all the essence of fairy stories. Indeed, they do, don't they? All the stories that we consume, all these movies we go and see, they all have elements of Christianity in them because they all have these elements that we want. They all have these desires fulfilled, that good overcomes evil, that love lasts forever, that we will have powers to see the universe, see its beauty, and somehow commune with it. I don't mean in a new age sense. I mean that you will be fulfilled in the beauty that you see. And the ultimate beauty you see will be God himself. Uh, Keller goes on and says this. Again, this is from his book, Making Sense of God. If Jesus Christ was really raised from the dead, if he really or if he is really the son of God and you believe in him, in other words, you trust in him. All these, these things that you long for most desperately will come true at last. We will escape time and death. We will know love without parting. We will even communicate with non-human beings, think angels. And we will see evil defeated forever. In fairy stories, especially the best and most well-told stories, we get a temporary emotional reprieve from a real world in which our deepest desires are violently rebuffed. But if we believe the gospel... We are assured that all those longings will be fulfilled in real time, space, and history. That's Tim Keller, ladies and gentlemen. Now, think about this. Because a lot of Christians think, you know, yeah, we're going to die and we're going to become spirits. And then we're going to just, you know, kind of be with God as this, you know, Casper the friendly ghost kind of thing. And I said at our Christmas dinner here at home this week, uh, I said, uh, as we were saying, a blessing was... A lot of people think that we're just going to be in this this intermediate state and we're never going to achieve physicalness again. Well, according to Christianity, no. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to be physical creatures who are indestructible, much like some superheroes. One of the reasons we love superheroes, they're indestructible. And we're going to live forever. And we get, we're going to enjoy physical things. And so when you sit down before a table of amazing food, delicacies, you enjoy those. And one day you will enjoy them in even, even a more complete way when God recreates the heavens and the earth. You see, the entire theme of the Bible is redemption. You have paradise lost in Genesis, paradise regained in Revelation. Everything in between is the story of redemption. And that's why these stories resonate with us. So we need to use this as an apologetic. You see, your goal should not be just to show that Christianity is true, but to show that people should want Christianity to be true. 
And you say, why should they want Christianity to be true? Because Christianity gives them what they are really longing for, what they have been pursuing their entire lives without perhaps ever realizing it. Christianity makes their deepest desires come true. Now, why should you want Christianity to be true? Because it makes your deepest desires come true. If Christianity is true, and it is, we've been over that several times on this program and our TV program and through our books and our podcasts and our app. And, you know, obviously, we try and make the case here at crossexamine.org that Christianity is true. If it is true, the person that is behind all of the good things you've been pursuing all of your life will be yours. That person is God himself. And what the Apostle John says in 1 John 3, 2, is what traditional theologians call the beatific vision. What is it? 1 John 3, 2 says this. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Unquote. You see, right now, we only see God dimly. We see God through his effects. We don't see him directly. We see a creation. We know, we know there must be a creator. We have a moral law written on our hearts. We know there must be a moral lawgiver. We, we sense his Holy Spirit. We know about him from his word. But when we see him for who he is, when we can comprehend God, not completely because we never will because we're finite, he's infinite. But when we get to the other side, then we will see him for who he is. And then we will understand what we were made for. And so many of the things we pursue today are effects of God, but they're not God himself. You see, beauty is the battleground upon which God and Satan fight for your soul. Let me say that again. Beauty is the battleground upon which God and Satan fight for your soul. The things that you want in life are all beautiful and good things. Think about the things that you want. You want money, you want security, you want freedom, you want sex, you want power, you want prestige, you want work, you want family, you want entertainment, you want a cause or a purpose, you want love, you want all those things. But behind all good things is God himself. And sometimes we make those things substitutes for God. We want money security, freedom, sex, power, prestige, work, family, entertainment, a cause or a purpose, love. We want those to be substitutes for God when they are more effects of God. And we'll talk more about that right after the break. You're listening to Cross Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network, the final day of 2016. Don't go away. We're back in just two minutes. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network on this final day of 2016. We've been talking about how even in our deepest desires, the Christian story resonates. In fact, certainly in our deepest desires, the Christian story resonates that we want to regain 
what we've lost, paradise lost, can be paradise regained if Christianity is true. I want to take you back to an event that I actually witnessed myself. It was a small chapel in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live. It was in a funeral home, and it was overflowing just two days before Christmas. Unable to get a seat, I stood in the back with my family as scores of people spilled out into the lobby behind us because our friend Nancy, who was just 57 years old, had just lost her battle with pancreatic cancer just two nights prior to that. And everyone loved Nancy. I mean, she was always had a smile. Actually, she always had a laugh. And she never seemed annoyed by anyone or anything. And her husband, whom everyone called Coach, had just lost his lifelong soulmate because he and Nancy were married as teenagers. Everyone there expected Coach to be too devastated to speak. That is, until we saw him get up and head toward the podium. I thought to myself, oh no, Coach is getting up. I can't believe he's going to say something. How's he going to get through this? This is after several people had already eulogized Nancy, who laid right there before him. Coach got up and he said, I wasn't planning on saying anything. He announced it confidently as if he was about to give a pep talk to the high school football team he led for over 30 years, hence the name Coach. But I just wanted to thank you all for coming and supporting my family. Coach's family was dwindling. He was about to bury Nancy with the ashes of his son, Rick, who had died from leukemia about 20 years earlier. Only his son, Jeff, remained, and Jeff was right there, obviously at the funeral. Let me tell you what happened that last night at the hospital, Coach projected in a steady, strong voice. The doctors helped control Nancy's Nancy's pain. As I was holding her hand, I said, Nancy, honey, squeeze my hand if you're in pain. Go ahead, squeeze my hand. She didn't squeeze it, but I noticed that her breathing was like this, and Coach began to inhale and exhale with a groan. He said, I was a little concerned at this painful groaning that she was making. So when the remaining two visitors left, Jeff said he was going to stay to help his mom and me get through the night. I pulled up my chair, and Jeff pulled up his. And that's when I noticed that her breathing had changed. Coach looked up inhaled and exhaled and he was humming the tune of a hymn coach said i realized that when she exhaled she was singing a hymn to us she was just waiting for the other visitors to leave so she could sing her voice to sleep that's who nancy was she was more concerned about us than herself Coach said she kept singing with every breath. I held her hand and soon dozed off. Then suddenly, at 1.20 in the morning, I snapped awake because I didn't hear her anymore. She wasn't breathing. When I realized she was gone, my heart broke in two. It broke in two. I cried, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Just then, an incredible peace came over me. Words can't even describe it to you. In fact, I feel it right now. Coach paused. He scanned the room. 
He said, the reason I'm telling you all this is because a lot of people think God is a myth. They think we're making all this up. Let me tell you something. God is not a myth. He's real. He's with me right now. And he was with me when Nancy slipped into his arms. Coach shook his head side to side. He said, I've been so blessed. I've been so blessed. I met Nancy when I was 15. I knew she was an angel then. And I married her when I was only 19. God gave me nine months to tell my angel how much I love her and to share the gospel with her. That's when we knew she had the cancer. God has been good to me. I've been so blessed. I beg you, I beg you, if you don't know Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made for you, please come to know him today. With that, Coach stepped away from the podium. The pastor who was supposed to preach a sermon wisely announced, the sermon has already been preached, and he closed the service with prayer. As the, pro- the procession carried the casket down the aisle, Coach trailed behind the casket, and he was greeting people and hugging guests who were amazed at his composure. When he got to me, he grabbed my hand and simply said, thank you. Now, my spontaneous response to him was, wonderful. Now think about that. Wonderful. Is wonderful an appropriate response to a man about to bury the ashes of his wife with the ashes of his son? Only if his beliefs are true. Are they true? Now, ladies and gentlemen, that took place 10 years ago this week. I was so moved by what Coach had said that when I got home after that service, I wrote it down and I actually put it in the opening of the book, Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. Now, I think a coach and his wife, Nancy, often, and their confidence in the truths of Christianity. Unfortunately, there are too many young people out there who are losing confidence in Christianity. Now, what we try and do here cross-examined is we want them to know that the wonderful message of Christ is actually true and they can bet their lives on it. We want them to know that the deepest desires that are in their hearts will one day be fulfilled if Christianity is true, and it is true. That's why it's been 10 years ago that we started Cross-Examined, and we started this radio program, I think probably in 2008, if I can remember correctly. The great Tim Wildman asked me to do a program, and I've been blessed to be on the American Family Radio Network for that long. And the reason we do these things is to reach and equip young people and old people where they are. We try and reach them, obviously, here on the radio. On TV, we have a TV program on DirecTV Channel 378, Wednesday nights. If you don't have DirecTV, it's on Roku. If you don't have Roku, it's on the Internet. You can go to our website, crossexamine.org, stream it. It's also streamed on our, our app, our TV program. So we do radio. We do TV. 
We try and get to young people on their smartphones through social media. We obviously speak in churches, in high schools, and what we do quite a bit of, as you may know, is we speak on secular college campuses. And we do all this in a nonprofit way. So if we go to a college campus, we don't charge students a dime. That's where you come in and our supporters come in. We don't, we don't charge anything for college students to come. And unfortunately, as you may know, 75% of college students who are Christians going into college walk away from the church once they go to college, once they leave the home. And so what we try and do is we try and go in there and we try and rescue those who have left and put a stone in the shoe of those who are skeptics. Because whenever you call something, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, which is the title we normally use when we go to a college campus, you're going to have atheists showing up. So we get crowds of of Christians and non-Christians coming to these things. And this past year, 2016, I did about 150 live presentations, not all of them on college campuses, obviously, but all across colleges, high schools, churches, youth groups, TV shows. I, we did 52. We do one-hour radio programs every, every week right here in the American Family Radio Network. We did 18 one-hour TV shows. We trained 60 new instructors at our Cross-Examine Instructor Academy, CIA. It's coming up again this August. This August, it'll be in Dallas, Texas, by the way. We uh, have done scores of new live Q&A videos, which you can see on our Facebook pages. Q&A videos are what happens when we go on a college campus and uh, someone asks a question and we try and have a quick response to them in two or three minutes. Uh, We make short videos out of that. You can share those on Facebook, share them on YouTube, share them on social media. You can do all that. Uh, We have put up hundreds of posts, articles, and we've answered hundreds of questions we're now, by God's grace, almost, uh, what are we, uh, over 188,000 Facebook followers on the Cross-Examined app and, I don't know, 45 or 50,000 on Dr. Frank Turek. We've got over 115,000 app downloads at this point. And we're about to begin 2017 by exponentially increasing our reach. You say, how so? How are you going to do that? Because we're about to begin streaming many of our live events, and this will ensure that we reach thousands more. Let me just give you an example. We've done this a couple of times in an experimental way. On November 14th, we streamed our our, uh, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist event uh, from Sam Houston State University on Facebook Live. And since we have about 188,000 Facebook followers, uh, we can create quite an audience by doing this. In fact, we had a full house of about 400 people in the room at Sam Houston State, but we had over 17,000 people watching the stream, the live stream within 24 hours of the event. It stays up there for a couple of days. So we can reach a lot more people if we can stream the events. Now, to do this more often, here's where we're going to need your help because it costs thousands of dollars every time we stream, but it has an exponential and eternal return. So we can reach thousands of people by doing the stream, but as you can imagine, it costs thousands of dollars to set it up, to bring people down there, to film it, that whole thing. And that's where we need your help. And on this last day of 2016, you can help. You can go to crossexamine.org and hit the donate button and donate securely there. Or you can send us a check if you want. The, the address is on our website 
at crossexamine.org. If you don't have uh, the web, uh, it's P.O. Box 78956, P.O. Box 78956, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28211. That's P.O. Box 78956, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28211. And I want to point out every donation goes to ministry. Your, your donations go 100% toward ministry, 0% toward buildings. We don't have buildings. We work out of our homes because there's no reason to have a building in what we do. So anything you can give will be well spent. And we're back in just two minutes. I'm Frank Turk. Happy New Year tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. You got about 12 hours to make a tax-deductible donation to crossexamine.org or the American Family Radio Network or any Christian organization that you think is helping to accomplish the Great Commission. And I hope that you'll make your donation to whatever organization you think is doing that in your life, whether it's cross-examined, whether it's AFA, whether it's someone else. um, Give. In fact, Jesus said this. Jesus in the famous parable of the unjust steward, uh, a, a parable that has been debated quite a bit because Jesus seems to con- to uh, condone what the unjust steward did in giving away his master's money. <laughs> but notice what he says in Luke chapter 16, verse 9. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, the money's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. In other words, he's saying, use your money to win people to Christ so that when you get to heaven, they'll be there to welcome you. He says, use it. The money's not going to last. The money, the money it's, not, it's not your money anyway. It's God's money. Yeah, God gave you the ability to earn that money. And it's your money in the sense that you can give it and it will come back to you ultimately in eternity. Because you're going to be welcoming or people are going to welcome you to heaven whom you've helped win to Christ because of you, your generosity in giving your money, which is really God's money, back to his cause. And of course, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. So your faith is not in vain. Christianity is a worldview, a religion, which actually is based in historical fact. If Christ has not been raised, forget it. It's not... Christianity shouldn't be believed. We're to be pitied of all men if we believe in Christianity. But he really has been raised. C.S. Lewis famously said this, and I'm paraphrasing. He said something like, if Christianity is true, it's, it's, it's the most important truth in the universe. If it's not true, it's of no importance. If it, It's irrelevant. Christianity really is true, and we can stake our lives on it. And all of these movies and fantasy stories that we are so enthralled with are pointing to our deepest desires. And those deepest desires will be filled if indeed Christianity is true. And thankfully, they are true. Now, most people don't consider a religion to really be true. They think 
you know, it, it can work for you. It can give you a sense of purpose and meaning, but it's not really true. You know, it's just kind of your thing. Of course, that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a worldview that actually says that it's true and you can check it out. There are historical truths that can be investigated or historical claims that can be investigated to see if they are true. And that's what Christianity says. It's not an opiate of the people, as Karl Marx said. It's really true. Greg Kokel has a new book coming out called uh, The Story of Reality, and we'll have Greg on to talk about it. And in this new book, he talks a little bit about what Christianity really is. In fact, that's what the whole book is about. It's not just a little bit. And uh, I'm reading an excerpt here. This is actually in an article, which you can see on the Standard Reason website. And I think the title of it, let me get this for you, is, uh, let's see, Christianity, Fantasy, or Reality? And here's what my friend Greg says in answering the question, what is Christianity? The way Jesus understood religion was not simply as a private spiritual view or as a subjective source of ethics or even a personalized relationship with God. It was much bigger than any of those things. Jesus understood religion first and foremost, or I'm sorry, Jesus understood religion first from the outside, not from the inside. Here is what I'm getting at. The correct answer to the question, what is Christianity, is this. Christianity is a picture of reality. It is an account or a description or a depiction of the way things really are. It is not just a view from the inside. In other words, not just a view inside a person's feelings or religious beliefs or spiritual affections or ethical views or a relationship with God. It is a view of the outside. It is a view of the world out there, of how the world really is in itself. Put it in another way, Christianity is a worldview, says Greg. He goes on to say, the Christian view is not only... It's not the only way of viewing the world, of course. It has competition. Every religion and every secular philosophy claims to represent reality in a true and accurate way. Indeed, every person has a view of this sort. Everyone has in his or her mind a story about the way th- the world actually is, even if he hasn't thought about it much or hasn't, or, or hasn't worked out all the details. In this sense, there's no difference between an atheist and a, religion per- a religious person. None. Each believes particular things to be true about the world and that's true that's what he says you know regardless of whether you're a christian or an atheist you have a view of the world which you think is true the question is does the evidence support that and then greg says this greg kokel he says here is the reality of the world here's his quote humanity is afflicted with a moral disease called sin rebellion has created an enormous debt there is only one antidote payment either jesus pays for us or we pay for ourselves it's that simple that is why he is the only way of salvation he is the only one who solved the problem since he is the only one who paid the price He paid so we wouldn't have to pay. This is not fantasy. It is fact. We sinned in time-space history, the real world. Jesus died in time-space history, the real world. And let me add, and he resurrected to prove that he truly was God. Now, this story appeals to our intuitions about the way the world should be. This is me talking now, not Greg. Almost every intriguing story 
from the movies we mentioned earlier, the top 30 movies. Almost every intriguing story has a positive character who gets into trouble, normally through the opposition of an evil character. A hero then comes along to save the character you're rooting for, the protagonist, the good, the, the good person in the story, and to vanquish the evil character, the antagonist, the one you're rooting against. He's the one, this evil one has caused most of the trouble. But unlike an exciting movie, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a myth. You see, that's the way reality really is. Satan is the antagonist. You can choose to be the protagonist because God has left it up to you whether or not you're going to trust in him. And Jesus is the hero who comes and saves you. You can't save yourself. So Coach was right. It's really true. And it's not just true for me. It's not just true for you. It's really true. Jesus really did come to earth Well, first of all, God does really exist. And then Jesus really did come to earth and live the perfect life in our place. He added humanity over his deity. And living that perfect life in our place, he took God's punishment on himself, or the punishment that was really due us, on himself so we wouldn't have to bear that punishment. And that's why Jesus is the only way. It's not arbitrary. Jesus doesn't say, look, I'm the only way because I said so. He's the only way because he is the only perfect human being who didn't have to pay for his own sin because he didn't sin. He pays for our sin. And by trusting in him, we can not only be forgiven of the evil we've done, we can be given the righteousness he has done. In other words, you're not just forgiven, you're given his righteousness. Now that's amazing. Even these superhero movies don't do that. Yeah, they may save you, but they don't make you superheroes. Right? I mean, you don't become a superhero. They may save you, but you don't become one. Well, actually, in Christianity, you're not only saved, you're given Christ's righteousness. It's like becoming a superhero. In other words, you will get those desires or achieve the desires you have. You will live forever with the reason you were created, with Jesus, the God who created you. You will see and enjoy all of creation and have communion with the beautiful creations of this world. You will have love without parting. That's only possible if life is eternal. And you will see the triumph of good over evil. Yeah, that's the same storyline in all these fantasy stories we're enamored with, all these movies we're enamored with, but it's also the storyline of the Bible. And so what we can do in 2017, friends, with your help, is together we can take the desires that people have and just point them to Christianity and say, you should want this to be true. You should want it because the things you're pursuing, behind those things you are pursuing, is the God you might not know, but the God who wants to know you and the God who can provide all the things that you are seeking, all the good things you are seeking. You may be putting these good things above the ultimate good thing, God, but those things actually come from God, and you can know him and know what you were made for by trusting in him. So don't just show that Christianity is true. 
let people know they ought to want Christianity to be true. And if you can help us this year, that would be a great benefit to us and what we do and hopefully a great benefit to the kingdom. You know, I hardly ever talk about money on this program. I think this may be the third time in eight years, but it's the last day of the year. I wanted to give you an opportunity to go to crossexamine.org and join the team. Remember, 100% of your donation goes to ministry. It does not go to any building. We all work out of our homes at crossexamine.org. We keep overhead low, and we use it to reach young people and older people wherever they are with the truth of Christianity and the fact that it's beautiful that it's true and that people can ultimately have their desires to know God and to make him known, accomplished by trusting in Christ. Friends, it's been a great 2016. Thanks to you. Let's make it an even better 2017. Go to crossexamine.org. I'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.